Wrapping up warm to hibernate for the winter, welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome one last time at the end of the 2016-17 season to the internet's best and worst Argentine football podcast in English. I'm your host, Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello. Uh, thank you, Sam. And I hope you didn't say worst because of me. Uh, no, no. Best and worst because... He's the only one. Exactly. That's the joke. Um... We wanted to uh, try and, and get uh, one or two of our, our Boca um, supporting contingent on this week, but none of them responded to my email. Um, so that's that's why they're... As the usual. Champ- yeah, yeah, as it's, usual. It's uh, related to the Boca, that, that Indeed. thing. Um, so that's why the new champions of Argentina are not um, here. Peter did offer to turn up, but he couldn't make today and said he wasn't particularly in the mood to talk, and we'll find out why that might be. Um, out of later on. Indeed. Uh, I'm not going to do what I normally do and read all of the results out because there have been 46 Primera División matches played since we last recorded. We didn't record last week because of the midweek round of matches. Um, so there have been three rounds plus Defensive Justicia against Independiente, I think it was, wasn't it? The, the game in hand that, um, that those two had. Uh, we were on. watching that game, I think, when we were recording. Uh, Oh, you might be right. Yeah, okay. So let's say 46, uh, 45 and a half games since we last recorded. Um, I will, however, go through uh, just this last round of matches, which saw a lot of things tied up. The final relegation spot, uh, Boca Juniors had already won the title before the weekend. They That happened when Banfield failed to beat, in fact, were beaten by San Lorenzo um, on Tuesday last week, meaning that Boca won before they even played their match on Wednesday night. Um, and River so, having being defeated by Racing yes and the, River having lost to Racing in, in the previous round which was a week and a half ago um, meant that Boca were, were already champions by that point but um, we went into this last round with one relegation spot still up for grabs or up to be avoided um, as you might prefer to look at it um, with Copa Sudamericana and more importantly and, and well more to the point in fact um not because it's necessarily less important, but because the Sudamericana maths were much more certain than the Libertadores places. Um, Copa Libertadores places also up for grabs. And what happened was Defensa y Justicia won Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata nil, and San Martín won Rosario Central won, were the only games that were played on Saturday. Defensa y Justicia are actually in action now as we record as well. We're watching the first leg of their Copa Sudamericana time with Chapicoense, currently nil nil after 34 minutes. Um, then on Sunday, Boca Juniors had their championship winning party, which was quite amusing to watch before the game, um, and was followed by a 2-1 victory over Union, Dario Benedetto scoring both goals. It, sorry, it was great, uh, except for one thing that I don't know, if, to give it the importance, uh, because of course it was a journalist that is a supporter of 
supports Boca that made some not very good expressions. Uh, the one who doesn't jump uh, mm. hasn't used drugs and that thing because of the way we, I think we will talk about that the doping positive doping tests yeah. of River players and unfortunately uh, uh, the Boca supporters didn't follow that that singing from uh, the, the journalist. Uh, except for that, it was a, a deserved party because Boca were deserved deserved the title, I think, because of the, the what they did in the first part of the tournament. Mm. Perhaps the second one was more discussed, uh, but uh, finally, well, they were the champions and it's okay. And the party was good, except for that. Yeah, That's the only thing. Uh, in a clash of two sides who were both already relegated before playing this match, um, Sarmiento beat Atletico de Rafaela 3-2 in Rafaela. Racing got a 3-1 win over Banfield, away from home. Uh, Colón and River ended 0-0, which was a score uh, which secured River's place in at least the playoff when it was played. Yes. Uh, for the Copa Libertadores and meant that Colón I can't remember exactly what it meant for Colón at the time but anyway we'll tell you what ended up happening later on um, Arsenal got a 2-1 win at home to Tigre Arsenal remember uh, when we last spoke we're still in danger of going down but by that point we're already safe Patronato de Paraná who are down oh no they're not sorry yeah. are they not I'm getting confused um, drew 1-1 at home with Atletico Tucumán these matches are now on Monday Aldo Civi lost 3-0 to Olimpo in a match which was basically a relegation playoff. Um, yes, that decided Olimpo, uh, Aldo Civi to... Indeed, to uh, that game combined with the two results that I'm about to read out meant that Aldo Civi are down. Um, Huracan nil, Belgrano nil and Belezarsfield nil, Tempele nil were the other results if... Um, I can't remember the maths for Huracan but if Tempele had lost against Belez then we would now be looking at... Um, a, we'd be preparing for a relegation playoff between Aldo Civi and Tempele but they got the point that they needed um, and then on Tuesday Estudiantes beat Quilmes 1-0 in Sarandí uh, but it was an Estudiantes home game because of course Estudiantes have been playing their home games at Quilmes for the last few weeks and so they, they weren't going to do that against Quilmes um, Newell's Old Boys lost 2-0 at home to Godoy Cruz which meant that Newell's missed out on the Copa Libertadores and then in the last two games of the night we had an intriguing situation um, whereby Banfield, who of course was second when we last recorded, um, had dropped to fifth and were clinging on to that Copa Libertadores playoff spot um, and hoping. So what was it that was needed? Racing were in fourth and Racing needed one of San Lorenzo or Independiente not to win. Uh, Banfield needed both of them not to win. And given that... Independiente were playing against Lanús, Banfield's greatest rivals, of course. That didn't seem very likely. Lanús weren't really playing for very much, although they did have something to play for, as we'll explain in a bit. Um, and those games, Tacheres versus San Lorenzo and Independiente versus Lanús, both ended 1-1. Um, the Independiente won with a quite ridiculous finish, which involved the kitchen sink being thrown, basically, and they still couldn't break through. It was quite a bit like... Um, mm like Chile against Portugal a bit earlier today in the Confederations Cup, actually. Um, so unlucky Independiente, and that, of course, is why Peter's not here. Uh, what this means before the, we There were people the saying that, of course, Lanús will n- not play that much very strongly with 
a lot of strength because uh, that will mean Banfield to qualify to the Copa Libertadores and mm. finally this didn't happen as Lanús finally equalized uh, drew with, uh, with Independiente yeah the thing is that if Lanús had got the win uh, they would be sixth I think 52 points oh they no okay if Lanús had got the win then they could have gone sixth um, had San Lorenzo not also drawn um, from sixth place then if the Libertadores or the Sudamericana Um, have been no hang on not the Sudamericana I wrote a blog post about this last night so I should if the Libertadores have been won by um, an Argentine side or if the Copa Argentina had been won by a side who'd already qualified for next year's Libertadores via the league um, then sixth place in the league would have got Lanús into the, the Libertadores playoff round as well um, so in fact although it seemed like they were just sort of playing for their pride they did actually have something a bit more tangible to aim for and, and that possibly uh, explains it but certainly there were you know one or two Banfield fans thanking Lanús um, for, for actually putting in some effort afterwards uh, what this means is that we can confirm Boca Juniors are the champions of Argentina for the 30 uh, 26 uh, in the professional yeah, era yeah, yeah. and overall, 32nd 32 in the, isn't it 32nd uh, time in total yes. we, we count the, the whole history of Argentine football here on Hand of Pod because but, why but, not Yeah, there is a lot of talking with, about this, and I think we should all, we shouldn't uh, give it that importance too. But about the number of titles, count uh, if they take into account all of the cups, all the tournaments, all of the they have 66, 51. We all, I think, it's uh, not to give it uh, not to talk about a lot about that. But uh, yes, there is a controversy, or the, depending on the supporter or the, or the team that, that you that you support. You say that they have an amount of titles, and uh, if not, yeah. it's another amount. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, it's one reason that I think that you, you always need to take context into account, especially when talking about Argentina, which is a country that's had so many different competitions and where so many sort of various little cups that that don't get played anymore had varying amounts of importance attached to them at various times. Uh, I mean, one of the titles that Boca. Um, count in their 66 is, is the 1926 Copa de Honor which was an honorary trophy that the AFA awarded to them uh, for representing Argentina abroad after they decided to take the whole of a season off and just go on a tour of Europe um, and then they got home and the AFA said here you go here's a trophy and Boca actually count that as a title that they've won uh, which is one reason that you know even though I'm actually, I, I fall down on the side of a lot of Boca fans a lot of Racing fans Um, in saying that we should count the league titles in the amateur era as well as just the professional era, which is not something that River Plate fans will say very much because River only won one uh, league title in, in the in the amateur era and, and have won far more in the professional era. Um, so even though I, I you know I'm, I'm on their side there, you also have to be you know sensible in some ways and sort of go well hang on I mean that's not actually a title is it it's just a sort of yes. <laughs> a plaque that they gave them to hang on the wall as it were although I think they actually did get a, a proper trophy for it which is fakely ridiculous mm. um, but yeah I mean context is everything um, I was going to say something else then but I've forgotten uh, but anyway Boca Juniors are the champions of Argentina for the 32nd time they finished on 63 points River finished second with 56 points so the the two giants exerting a stranglehold again in Argentina. It feels like the first time that they've been first and second in some time. Because were they in 2015? They can't have been, can they? I don't remember. Let me just double check. I'm sure River didn't finish second in 2015. 
This is the kind of thing I should have searched for before we um, started recording, really, but uh, Hunterpod is not that much of a professional operation, as you all know. Yes. Uh, the 2015 Championship, the runners-up were San Lorenzo. So, there you go. Um, it is the first time in, in some time that River and Boca, or Boca and River, have been first and second. The other Copa Libertadores spots went to Estudiantes, who finished in third, just behind River on goal difference, um, also with 56 points. And Racing, who were on 55 in fourth. The Copa Libertadores playoff spot is Banfields. That means that they go into the second, second round out of yes. the three qualifying rounds of the Libertadores. It doesn't mean they play off against another Argentine side at the end of this Argentine year or something like that. Uh, they finished on 55. And then the teams who, for the moment, are going into the Copa... Uh, sorry, Banfield finished on 54. And then the team, for the moment, the teams who are qualifying for the Copa Sudamericana are Independiente... San Lorenzo, Lanús, Newell's Old Boys, Defensa Udicia and Colón. Um, sixth down to 11th. The reason that I say for the moment, um, as you will know if you uh, saw my Twitter last night or my blog earlier today, I've started to occasionally post things up on my blog again. Um, the ones that qualify to the Cup, the different cups. Indeed, it's because uh, the Copa Argentina still has to be played and the finals of the two Continental Cups still have to be played and those competitions will also send players to uh, players, teams to next year's well and players as well of course because teams are made up of players to next year's Continental Cups or more specifically to next year's Copa Libertadores which means that some of these teams are actually going to have to wait six months to find out whether they're going to be in something else the situation is without wanting to bore anybody silly before we even get started um, but very basically, if River win the Copa Libertadores, River are the only Argentine sides who are still in this Copa Libertadores and who have already qualified for the next one via the league. So if River win the Copa Libertadores, um, then Independiente, who are sixth in the league table, go into the playoffs. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Banfield qualifies directly bump straight, straight into to the, the group groups. stage. Um, that would also mean that Rosario Central, who are 12th, would go into the Copa Sudamericana. If the Libertadores is won by an Argentine side who are in the Copa Sudamericana qualifying spots in the league, so in other words, San Lorenzo or Lanús, because those are the only two teams left in the Libertadores who are in the Sudamericana spots, then that side, San Lorenzo or Lanús, would go straight into the Libertadores group stage. The sixth place team in the league, Independiente, would still go into the Copa Sudamericana, but San Lorenzo's or Lanús's Copa Sudamericana place bumps one position down, so Central would go to the Sudamericana. So if you're a Central fan, basically then you want either River, San Lorenzo or Lanús to win the Copa Libertadores and, and then you'll be into the Copa Sudamericana. Uh, if Godoy Cruz, who are the other Argentine side left in the Libertadores and who haven't finished in a continental qualifying spot at all um, in this league table, if they win the Libertadores, which isn't going to happen, but if it does happen, um, then they go into the Copa Libertadores group stage and that's it, full stop. No, no other spots open up for anyone. If an Argentine side wins the Copa Sudamericana... Um, if they've already qualified for a Continental Cup via the league, Independiente, Racing, Defensa, Justicia or Estudiantes, this applies to you, um, then that team, Independiente, Racing, Defensa, Justicia or Estudiantes, go into the Libertadores group stage by virtue of winning the Sudamericana. And 12th place Rosario Central um, will go into the Sudamericana. If Argentine sides, other than Godoy Cruz, win the Libertadores and the Sudamericana, Central will go into the Sudamericana and also Gimnasia, who are 13th in the league, would also get into the Sudamericana because the spot would bump two down. 
And if the Copa Sudamericana is won by an Argentine side who have not qualified for either Continental Cup via the league, which is the case for Huracan and Arsenal de Sarandí, that team goes to the Copa Libertadores group stage and nothing else opens up. The Copa Argentina then, sort of, if it's won by a team who've already qualified, um, opens up another spot as well. And if it is... Um, if it's won by another a team we've already qualified, sorry, the Copa Argentina spot goes to the next best performing side in the Copa Argentina. Doesn't go into the league ever. So if River, let's say, beat Patronato de Paraná in the final of the Copa Argentina, I don't think that can happen. I think Patronato have been knocked out, but let's just say. Yeah. Um, then um, Patronato would go into the Copa Libertadores via the Copa Argentina. When if River wins the Copa Libertadores. No, because River have already qualified for the Libertadores by the league. Okay. So if, if 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 the final of the Libertadores is River, say for example, against a team who have finished outside the qualification spots altogether, then the runners-up of the Copa Argentina. Sorry, if the final of the Copa Argentina, I should have said, um, then the runners-up of the Copa Argentina go into the Libertadores next year via the Copa Argentina. If the final of the Copa Argentina is between two teams who have already qualified for next year's Libertadores, so if it's say River against Estudiantes are out if it's River against Racing um, in the Copa Argentina final then that Copa Argentina spot goes to the the best of the semi-finalists from the Copa Argentina the best that they have qualified in the, the tournament the, the best being the highest placed in the league but they have to be semi-finalists of the Copa Argentina um, yes it's some difficult thing to understand indeed. or to follow uh, it's Good to reread that uh, ahead because, of course, in this time we understand it, but then we will forget about that. Indeed, it is. Um, the relegated sides at the bottom of the promedios were Atletico de Rafaela, Sarmiento, Quilmes, and Aldo Civi. Quilmes, thank you. And Aldo Civi, who, as we already mentioned, were relegated on the last day in spite of finishing bottom of the actual league table by not that long away but they won fewer games than anybody else and managed to score 15 times in 30 matches um, so if ever there was a case of the promedio relegating the correct team this season uh, is that case however most importantly of all having got through the boring stuff uh, in only 18 minutes of recording which is remarkably quickly by our standards because normally we're boring for a full hour it's time to um, begin talking uh, about the stuff that actually matters namely Boca Juniors Champions of Argentina, uh, we have a, a, a season to review. I mean, but first, first, let right. me add something about what you said about uh, talking about the the qualification to the different mm-hmm. cups, which is something that is really interesting, not boring, interesting and funny. Which is that a lot of teams or supporters of these teams will support other teams to win a Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana. So that's that is good for uh, supporters that usually don't support other teams. Uh, in this case, they will have to to do it. They will be obliged to do it because perhaps uh, Rivers and Lorenzo Lanús winning Copa Libertadores will mean another team to qualify and to get their spot, the spot that they uh, initially had. Mm. So uh, it's something that uh, funny and, and interesting. Indeed. Um, Boca's season though impressive in the end we we spent a fair bit of it sort of suggesting that they, they looked a bit chaotic and whatnot. Yes. but it, uh, 18 wins from 
from 30 games. Only three defeats. Um, the other four of the big five that they played, they beat all of them. Obviously, they, they lost the second of the Super Classicos to, to River, but the other four matches um, against those teams, uh, they, they beat River in the Monumental, they beat Racing, they beat San Lorenzo, they beat Independiente. Um, and I think really that's what sort of marked them out. As you mentioned, the, the second half of the season was at least initially perhaps a little bit shakier um, in terms of some slightly less impressive results. But in the big games, when they needed to, um, they put in some big performances. Yes. Uh, we can say that they didn't serve it. Perhaps we, if we, if we uh, fix our analy analysis in the matches that they lost or they lost points against, for example, Patronato, or they lost against Tacheres against River, and I don't remember the other one because... You the other one was three. on the very first weekend of the season. It was against Lanús. Ah, yes. Well... Who, of uh, course, were the defending champions at the time, and that was, uh, yeah. Defeating... The, that defeat against Tacheres, that draw against Patronato, and the another defeat against River, all of them in the in, as, as the home mm. condition in the, the Memorial... Gave the, the the feeling that they weren't uh, prepared to be champions, and that they were they will they will perhaps lose the tournament against River, even what well, uh, uh, mainly because they lost against River uh, in uh, the Bombonera, and uh, but finally they they uh, got out of that uh, uh, doubts and, and, and games in way in, in which they they didn't play well, and finally I think that they. Uh, recover the, the 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 good work and the good uh, the the good work of the team. I mean, um, so yes, I think they finally deserve it. If I have to go give my opinion or or quick opinion in 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 what I think, I, I don't this I don't uh, uh, agree with that uh, sentence that uh, the champion is the best. Sometimes it's not the uh, like that, but in this case, I think it was, and they have 30 rounds, which may may be easier for the big teams. But you have to maintain or keep a good uh, a good play uh, along the, the the 30 rounds. Yeah, I I I'd agree. In in a normal league, I, I think by and large that the team who are the best over the course of the season um, are normally the team who end up winning the title. When you're playing everybody else, home and away. Um, the Argentine systems that we've had in the last few years often lend themselves to you know not doing that because you're playing a bunch of teams at home but not having to play them in their own stadia and you know you could get lucky with the the draw as it were um, and in fact I think that uh, when when Boca won the last championship that was structured similarly to this the 2015 um, one which went from from February to December. Um, I think that there's an argument that maybe they weren't the best team in that season. That, that if it had been, you know, everybody against everybody else, home and away, um, it might have finished off differently. Uh, but for Carlos Devez, of course, who, who came in halfway through the year and, and got them over the line. Um, but interestingly, in two very differently structured championships, the last two, both this time last year, Lanús, with the two groups of fifteen, followed by uh, semi-finals and a final, um, and now with Boca. Uh, sort of, I guess, accidentally, uh, in a way, the 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 championship has actually thrown up a winner who clearly did deserve it. Lanús were were clearly the best team in in, in the league um, league in inverted commas uh, in the second half of 
in the first half, sorry, of 2016, um, Boca have clearly been the best team um, over the course of the season for 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 this one as well for for 2016-17. Um, I was just looking through quickly. They, they only dropped points in four of their home games, um, two defeats, which were against Tacheres and, and River, as Andres mentioned, and two draws, which were against Rosario Central, which was the only time in the whole of the first half of the season that they dropped points in La Bombonera um, with a 1-1 draw and an, another 1-1 draw against Patronato and apart from that they won 11 home games drew two, lost two only which one was it? Racing <coughs> and Estudiantes were the only teams who picked up more points than them at home yes and at the same time when Boca finally uh, on the final sprint of the, ter- of the tournament uh, played better. Uh, River uh, were uh, playing worse, so that helped to make Boca uh, uh, perhaps even more deserved champions. Yeah, well, River had to come from a very long way back as well. That was yes, the thing. I think the River sort of ended up running out of gas partly because the the squad wasn't deep enough when they had to start rotating. Um, they, they've already got around trying to. Uh, um, improve on that point in quite impressive fashion today as we will discuss a little later but yeah I mean then they unusually really for Marcelo Gachardo's river since coming in they lost a couple of crucial games against San Lorenzo and Racing back to back which ultimately um, handed Boca the title uh, Boca being sort of already too far ahead of Banfield to, to really have much hope but it, it, it was interesting I thought that we, we've spent so much of the season sort of watching Boca's games and then coming and talking um, not only you know you and me but also uh folk who are sympathetic to other teams Peter uh, Dan um, and even on, on the couple of occasions this season when, when one of our tamed Boca fans has actually has, has managed to make it in um, and has made the point that sort of Barros Equilotto doesn't seem to be to, 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 to quite have put his stamp on this team still he, he doesn't seem quite comfortable um, with it maybe in the last few weeks he has although there are lots of people on Twitter and it's a, a view that I subscribe to as well suggesting that that had as much to do the mid, the midfield looking much more solid had as much to do with Rodrigo Bentancur going off to the under 20 World Cup and being replaced by necessity by Wilmar Barrios um, who's just a much better player and I don't know why he wasn't already in the team yes. ahead of, of Bentancur but in spite of, of, of these you know complaints about Boca's star and everything they scored 11 goals more than the second top scorers second top scorers joint second top scorers were River and Racing who got 51 each and Boca managed 50, uh, 62, um, and a lot of that comes down to you know that that forward line, which was fantastic. Um, if Barros Ecolotto isn't the best tactician in the league, then we do need to praise his, his man management because he's managed to get Ricardo Centurion um, playing wonderfully and, and and playing with a lot more discipline. I mean, think back to the first sort of week of the season when he was involved in that car crash in Abishaneda and then tried to leg it and tell them he wasn't driving. Um, there's been very little of that since. And, and now um, the, the Barros Equilotto brothers have reportedly today told Daniel Angelisi, the Boca president, that they want him to do what he can to, to buy Centurion from San Paolo. Was he, yes. he was online from, wasn't he? Um, and I think that, that that's very praiseworthy. Christian Pavon, who of course is now off in, well, probably off in a potential Boca transfer record fee received to Zenit St. Petersburg for 30 million euros. And Dario Benedetto up front. I mean, that's 
is a front three um, who have been fantastic and, and who were fantastic even before the team sort of the rest of the team behind them managed to get themselves sorted out those three were already yes. sort of dragging everybody else forward with them yes yes there they were uh, three men that uh, I think that explains the number of goals they have the 62 goals it's in 30 uh, games is uh, 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 two goals more than two per game mm. in, in average it's a lot of goals because you have to maintain that that accuracy and that goals uh, yeah, along the tournament in yes uh, independently of Centurion in his private life and and, and Pavon that sometimes it, uh, when Guillermo Rosicoloto uh, said that he was a man to go that he was prepared to go to Europe or, or that he finally will go sooner or later to Europe and, and when he wasn't playing at the level uh, at a good level uh, well uh, finally uh, uh, after all uh, it shows that they were the more important men in the attack for Boca and of course in the tournament yeah. uh, uh, in a time I thought that Piti Martinez uh, Alario Drusi will manage to, to outstand uh, uh, if, you, if we have to compare only the, the, the attack sides uh, but finally I think that uh, Benedetto uh, we have no discussion about that that, that uh, he was uh, uh, great there the, uh, as a finisher even when he he's not a, a bad uh, a player with the with the ball in, in his feet, but uh, finishing his has a great quality, and well, yes, uh, that explains I, th- I think the sixty two goals that Boca have, have scored. Indeed, uh, those three were the top three scorers for Boca. Centurion got eight, Pavon got nine, and Dario Benedetto scored twenty one in twenty four appearances which is why you should not be at all surprised if Benedetto is off to Europe at some point in the next couple he, of months. They're going to do everything they can to keep him, obviously. He said sometimes you have to give credit, you can't give credit to the player or not. He, he himself told in an, during an interview that he had only an offer from the MLS and that he wouldn't be, he isn't attracted to go to the United States and that he yeah. wants to go on and follow uh, to keep at Boca and, and win Copa Libertadores, which is something said to supporters, but that uh, even the idea that he will stay. And do you think that that Barros Aquilotto is going to stay as well? Because it, it kind of seems like he is now, because Angelis has been meeting the the, the twins, the Barros Aquilotto twins today, um, to to talk transfers and things. Whereas just a few weeks ago, we were talking about interest from LAFC and MLS. Um, well, he asked uh, Angelisi apart from uh, buying Centurion to buy Paolo Golds and Guido Pizarro, two men that he knew know very well as he uh, was the coach of Lanús when they were there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that if that happens, that means a signal, that, isn't it? I mean, yes. he, he clearly wants to to try and go for for the next year's Libertadores now as well. Um, as well, he might. He's earned it. Um, we will talk about some of the more impressive uh, individual performers as well in, in a short while when I'll be giving you my lowdown of my my own Argentine um, domestic national team squad based on performances from the uh, over the last season. Um, but any other sort of main major talking points club-wise from the league table? From the league table, well, uh, can, can we looking at the league table? I mean, can we see anyone who are going to be any clubs who are going to be really 
sort of disappointed with how the season worked out. Perhaps Bale is not disappointing in terms of the way they... We, perhaps we have been talking mm. about the, the that they weren't uh, very good, but uh, seeing Vélez in the yeah. almost 20th position, perhaps mm. it's... We were saying last year, I think, if I remember rightly, that, that Vélez were going to need to... You know, we're going to be hoping to, to get quite a big improvement on, yes. on their 2016 transitional showing where in the combined table between both groups they were, and I've just brought it up, uh, 12th. Yeah. So they've very much gone backwards since then. Um, they, they were downright awful for, for some of their games. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting more from Rosario Central, yes, um, who finished down in 12th, and also from Newell's. Unless from Cologne, but uh, but yeah, but News uh, has some problems in their not only their team but their club. Indeed, especially in the last couple of weeks, uh, which was going to be the next thing that that I, that I thought we could talk about because I've had a little difficulty keeping up with it all. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that that the vice president had been arrested on the way into the match against Union um, due to um, a uh, an, an arrest warrant that that was out on him for drugs charges. And since then, the whole club seems to have, have hit the fan. There's now a there judge a, running it. I don't know how to say it in English, but uh, there is a, like an organ of fiduciary or something that has to do with the that they manage the 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 the, the doubts the debts or something like that. They've been taken over by the receivers, basically, haven't they? Yes. Um, so it looks at the moment, for example, as if Ignacio Coco. Um, well, it doesn't look as if it, we are told um, that Ignacio Coco is is travelling to Buenos Aires or is in Buenos Aires now. He was travelling to Buenos Aires earlier this afternoon and is going to be having a medical for River Plate um, on Thursday. And the transfer fee, in inverted commas, that River are paying for that is basically that they're paying off the debt that Newell still owe Sunderland, um, which I think is something like $2.5 million um, for when they bought him back off, off uh, Sunderland's, whatever it was, a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, and they're also paying... Goko himself a debt which Newell's owed to him because they haven't paid his wages for ages um, so clearly this is not a club who are in great financial shape oh, and uh, well uh, their best three men uh, are of course living apart from Skoko Maxi Rodriguez who, who was it was said as a rumor not something certain that he will join Skoko and will play for River mm-hmm. uh, finally this won't be like that as Enzo Perez will play for River and also, uh, Formica, I think, will live, he will play at Mexico and remember, don't know the team. So, so the, the three men that gave news some hope to be, I don't know, if to win the title, but at least to be as high as possible, well, you can, of course, tell that the things are not good. Yeah, I'm looking well. up who Formica has gone to. Pumas. Okay. Uh, my Mexican side. The, oh, Mexi- okay. the Mexican side, of whom I, I own a T-shirt, anyway. Um, yep, it's, it's time for them, for Mika. Um So, yeah, unlucky Luis Bessone, if you're listening, and, and other Newell's fans. Um, there are better times ahead, probably. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a return to the bad old days for the moment for Newell's, um, in spite of continental qualification. Um, we also should mention, although it's slightly embarrassing all round, uh, River Plate's uh, recent <laughs> travails where um, some players have been done for doping. A real mess. 
Yes. Um, so this uh, all hit the fan on when was it? Friday, Thursday last week. Thursday, I think it was, wasn't it? Yes. When it was announced, that officially that Martinez Cuarta has been suspended uh, temporarily at yeah. least at, at, until the the second test is is done, uh, and then Machada also was the mm. the other man. Um, they've been found with a masking agent. Uh, they they failed doping tests after was it both after the Amalek game? It wasn't was it? Martinez Cuarta was after the Amalek game in the Libertadores. Oh no, and I Machado think was after the. The Melgarra match, yeah. And Arequipa, yes. Um, and uh, this is what, well, what Rivers say, is that uh, there were supplements that they've been giving the players for three years without any problems, and they obviously got a contaminated batch. Um, and you never really know who to believe with this stuff, do you? There were lots of media suggesting that Sebastián Driussi had also been um, uh, caught up in this and, and, and had failed a, a doping test. Conmebol said that that wasn't the case they were bizarrely slow in making that clear then the rumours were circulating for about six hours or something before anything came out from Commonwealth saying no Driussi hasn't failed anything and after that the day day after he was sold to Zenit of Russia indeed or rather he announced that he is rescinding his contract because Zenit are giving him the money to do so Uh, so River are getting 15 million euros for that Zenit apparently are paying 22 so I'm guessing that uh, same as Power 1 yeah so I'm, I'm guessing, well, at River, the player's families all have a percentage of the player, so some of it will be going to his family, and I'm guessing some must go to the ag- an agent or something. Um, uh, there is a lot of speculation, uh, also depending on, on the team you support, because uh, other supporters may say that Jussi was covered, and that uh, cover, cover, covering Jussi uh, will mean that the River has they don't, doesn't have three positive doping tests meaning that they won't be sanctioned and they will, won't be fined with the possible dis- yeah. uh, elimination from the Copa Libertadores because more than two players uh, that have a doping test that uh, uh, gave a positive result uh, the Commonwealth world is uh, allowed to to eliminate that team mm. in in the same competition three three players from the same team in in the same competition yeah. and if you see uh, was the case of another positive that will have been uh, possible and yeah. well uh, if you talk with river uh, board members they say that uh, there was a poisoned uh, compound that was given to the players for the heights the, the attitude sorry uh, playing at Quito at Guayaquil and Arequipa uh, and that ah uh, uh, that was the okay yes yeah yeah, I hadn't realised that the venue yes. had something. Reverse that they gave the players a, 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 like a pill with a, a compound that uh, included that ma- that uh, masking agent. Yeah. And another players uh, were asked for another one. Uh, and that was the second one. The additional compound was the one that had addition, uh, more more uh, masking agent than the, the, than they allowed. Uh-huh. Uh, and that meant meant that well, uh, uh, that that that's why the the test uh, gave a positive result. Yeah, it, it's th- there's been a bit of a spate of it generally in Argentina this year as well. I mean, obviously River are, are sort of it was an interesting situation because of the fact that these two came out in one day. 
apparently three before Conmebol finally made clear that Driussi hadn't tested positive. And then there was some media going, oh, there might be as many as seven players who, who failed it without any proof whatsoever. Um, but also we've had Jorge Figal at Independiente, who is currently suspended. And the reason that he hasn't made my domestic national team squad is that he's um, he, he's, he's been suspended for the last few weeks. Um there were there's there are one or two others as well at a couple of other clubs. Uh, somebody at Racing, I think. I can't and Guarani has Holy Cesar Cáceres, uh, their captain, that mm-hmm. has been also suspended. And they say that it's really four four years, which is a lot of time. Well, so same reasons that Guarani of, of Paraguay, yes, the, the, the team one that we've got next yes. week in the Libertadores as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a. I mean, it's cl- clearly every club in professional football, and, and the, the players are all on something albeit supplements that are allowed in competition normally but have you know levels of things that you're not allowed to go over a certain level of um, and yeah we'll never know I suppose um, but it is it, it, it's bizarre yes. and vaguely depressing we'll never, we'll never know the truth because unless that they show that uh, really that Martinez Cuarta Machada had something uh, that sh- should be covered by that, that masking agent, and that was that was what happened. Because if the if they say that the the, the compound that uh, Martinez Cuarta and Machada uh, t- took were poisoned, well, a lot of people will say that it's a lie, and the Conmebol is helping River. So it's really uh, something different to uh, difficult to to understand and to know really which which was the, the truth. Yeah, and it's another thing that really that gets very frustrating with you know media saying oh seven players might be contaminated because then what a lot of fans of other clubs and particularly people who don't like River or, or whichever club it might happen to be are going to hear is seven players have been contaminated and Conmebol wants to cover five of them up so that they don't have to kick River out or whatever and, even, and then you just get even, you know in, in a country where people are, are always more than happy to to begin hearing conspiracy theories as soon as they're at yeah. uh it, 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 you, you get this climate where you have a journalist on the on the pitch in La Bombonera um, at Rivers uh, at Boca's title party, you know, chanting this this this, this chant that, that Andres mentioned earlier, um, and things like that. And it's just another kind of example of of an attitude which I really wish Argentine football could get away from it. I think it would be a much healthier place. Country generally, um, but particularly the football would, would be much more enjoyable if if people could you know try and see the moat they, in their own they eye. Named, maybe they named Poncio and Maidana as another as other two players that have been uh, with this positive test, and they weren't even with the, co- the, the with the control. They they didn't they would even even were called to mm. to. Uh, do the, the the control the yeah. the test, so that's well yes very irresponsible. Okay, that's covered that hopefully. Um, we're going to yeah we're going to take a halftime break now, and when we come back from it, um, I will take you through my squad of the season. Only Argentine players allowed because uh, I was asked the reason that it's only Argentine players. 
um, is that I was asked one of the questions that we've had for later uh, is to give us a domestic Argentina squad. So I thought, well, I'll combine two things in one here. Uh, but we will give a shout out to a couple of the foreign players as well who, who would have been worthy for inclusion if they weren't foreign, uh, basically. Um, so don't go away. Starting the second half, um, those of you with particularly long memories will remember that two weeks ago, uh, when we were looking forward to the third from last round of the championship, um, Mystic Chris challenged Mystic Sam to a prediction battle. I can exclusively reveal uh, that I won that particular uh, challenge. I managed seven out of 15 matches correctly, whereas Chris got a pitiful four. Uh, meaning that I am the prediction king for this particular competition, which lasted for precisely one week of the season. I am thinking next uh, season of perhaps trying to, I don't know, pull a, a couple of strings with uh, people who who like me and seeing whether I can get somebody to offer up some kind of prize um, if if we're able to do um, turn turn the the weekly prediction battle into a regular thing and, and rank it on who does best or something. But I guess we'll have to ensure that everybody gets as many goes of it as everybody else um, so I'll, I'll work something out and, and we'll be back um, later in the season we have a bumper uh, selection of questions this week by the way because it's just as well in fact, I don't know why it is in particular but it's just as well that we do because this is going to be the last hand of pod for a couple of months because we're not going to record next week when we've only got a couple of Libertadores games to talk about or the week after that or whatever um, and when the new season starts we don't actually have the exact dates yet but when the new season starts assuming that it's roughly when it normally does which is um, the second or first weekend of October of, of August sorry uh, I'm going to be in England I'm getting back oh. at the end of England so uh, the end of England? no I'm getting back at the end of, of August that previous Fernetta has so been too strong. So we when the season has already started. Yes, at least the presumably the yeah. first division. Yeah, uh, and, because and the second unless they leave it back a little bit, but yeah, um, we'll next be recording in, in early September, so we have a two two months and a little bit off. Because Premier Nacional, of of course, will still be uh, being played, and we'll yeah, start five games to go. I don't yeah. understand how they managed to. To do that, why couldn't they have a couple of, of midweek rounds? They're going to be playing into, and they have free, the end of July. Three teams, for example, uh, next weekend, uh, round the Puerto Madryn will not play. Uh, mm. They have three teams that are free in, in the week, the different weekends. Yeah, and uh, they will start in September when perhaps when you're back. So it's uh, oh, they've announced that already. Yes, uh, okay. the first days of September for our first uh, weeks. Oh, have, have they announced the Primera dates as well? No, not for no, oh, okay. but nothing official. Only the the idea that they have is to, to start. Yeah, yeah. The, the B Nacional next season is going to consist of twenty five teams. There was some talk. I'm not really sure why there was some talk about this recently, because uh, I would have thought that the numbers coming up and going down were already set. But there was some talk of trying to talk the B Nacional into having a forty team 
championship next season. Um, but they have rejected that. They've said that there are going to be 25 teams and they are going to be six relegations and two six relegations from the B Nacional down into Primera B and Torneo Federal A um, and two promotions from the B Nacional into the Primera as as this season. Um, I think there might be a playoff though. I think it might be the team finishing top and then they're going to have a playoff to decide the second promotion possibly unlike this season where it's just the top two in the table who go up. Um, so that's as much as we know from the B Nacional. Don't ask us about the Primera structure because that's still not been finalised yet although we're expecting it to be the same. The other thing, interestingly, for the B Nacional, I don't know whether you've heard this, um, they have said that they're going to stick with the Promedios for next season, but for 2018-19, or the 2018 Transitional Championship, whichever it ends up being, uh, they want to do away with them. So B Nacional, in two years' time, might be relegating teams based on their performance over the season, so which would be tremendous. The, the only division that will, have, will not have... Averages will be that. Well, who knows? Maybe everybody else will decide they want to do it as well. We, okay. we, we can but hope. Anyway, yes. before we get to our listeners' questions, I'm going to read out my very scientifically um, thought-out Argentina domestic squad. This was inspired by... Well, first of all, it was inspired by me thinking, oh, maybe I should do that for the last hand of pot of the season a couple of days ago, as I always do before the last hand of pot of the season. And then, obviously, I forgot about it, as I always do. But then, a few hours ago, somebody asked... Uh, who was it? I'm trying to find your name in our mentions column. Um, I can't find him. Ah, here we are. 66 estrellas, who I'm assuming is a Boca fan, um, with that name. 66 stars. Says, which players would you choose to assemble a domestic national team? So, my domestic national team is as follows. Uh, I've gone for a squad rather than an 11. But but I hope that we can put together a, uh, a, a squad um, from this lot. Um, and I've also I've got a few too many players here. I've got four goalkeepers, first of all. Those goalkeepers are Esteban Andrada of Lanús, uh, Jorge Brown of Colón, and two um, Ariases. It turns out that if you're called Arias, then this was a good season for you if you're a goalkeeper in the Primera Club. Gabriel Arias of Defensa y Justicia, who, along with, I think it was Colón, had the best defensive record in the league. Uh, oh, I've got rid of the league table. Where's the league table gone? Um, Defensa y Justicia conceded just 23 goals all season, and that was level with, with Independiente, sorry, not with Colón. Colón ended up conceding 25. Um, and... Alexis Arias of Gimnasia, um, who only conceded 24. So, you know, that has to be a fairly good indicator, you would think. Mm. And I thought that all of them, I, I admittedly didn't see as much of, um, especially of Alexis Arias, um, as of the other three. But, you know, they all, when I did see them, looked decent and promising. And I think all relatively young, relatively young for goalkeepers, that is. I think Andrade's the oldest and he's 27-ish. Brown might yeah, be a bit yeah. older, but... Um, in defence, I've got two right-backs. They are Leonel Di Placido of Atletico Tucumán and José Luis Gómez of Lanús, who, of course, can also play centre-back if needs be. Um, I have got three centre-backs. Uh, Alexander Barbosa, who has had a magnificent season with Defensa y Justicia, has now played his last match for them. He's not featuring tonight against Chapecoense. 
um, and is returning to River on loan from where he's likely to be sold. Andres, you were saying because he punched Marcelo Gachado's son or something. No, I don't know exactly if he punched, but because of something that had to do with behaviour when he was on the reserves, and apparently he had a problem. This is all rumours or nothing official, of course, because no one will say this, but... uh, Apparently he had a problem with Nahuel Gallardo, eh, the uh, defender that is already in the reserves and is of course the son of Marcelo Gallardo. And rumors say that he that's why he doesn't want Barbosa into the team. Mm. And that's why he wanted to, as, as soon as he comes back, to, to sell him. I, whenever we hear rumors like this, it, there's always a little bit of like, just, oh, come on. But I mean, there are so many rumors like this and everything. And yet, after the season that Barbosa has had for Defensa Justicia, um, I'm not saying it's the only possible interpretation, uh, but it would make sense. I mean, it's it's an explanation that would appear to make sense as to why Gachardo wouldn't want him, because River could really use another centre-back of, of, of Barbosa's quality. Um, anyway, the, the, the other two who I'm having in the squad, along with Barbosa, are Guillermo Ortiz of Colón, and Jonathan Maidana of Riba, Jonathan Maidana, sorry, because there's not, not an H in it, is there? Um, who, although he's a bit older than I would normally go for when trying to, to form a national team, you know, for the future, which is, I'm assuming, why we're doing a domestic national team, um, has, has, has been very solid. Andres did ask me during the break whether I thought about Lucas Martinez Cuarta. I, he's been very good and he's clearly actual, real-life national team material in the future. Um but I don't think he's been quite there this season. They've and he will, lose play, uh, he will lose some rhythm as he will not play, I assume, Of course, he yes, suspended provisionally, isn't he? Yeah. Um, now, uh, I was also, in fact, for similar reasons, uh, going to thinking of naming Jorge Figal of Independiente, but as we mentioned earlier... Nicolás Figal. The, Nicolás Figal, sorry, yeah, you're right. Um, of, of Independiente, but as we mentioned earlier, he's another of the players who, who's currently out um, uh, on... on uh, a provisional doping ban um, and more to the point because I'm not necessarily excluding them for just that reason but he's not played for a month or two at least so I wouldn't have him in at the moment um, and at left back I've got Nicolas Tagliafico who is actually in the real national team um, and after a very good season for Independiente um, also thought about Jonathan Silva of Boca uh, he's not played as frequently because Frank Fabra, the Colombian, has been in there ahead of him. But when Silva has played, he's looked decent. So I would have him as a sort of maybe a backup. But in that case, I think it's, uh, I would agree because there, there are no, well, there, there aren't a lot of. Uh, no, precisely. It's, it's fullback generally is, as, as we've yeah. mentioned a fair few times, we seem to mention it whenever the national team um, dominates an episode. It's not an area where Argentina are particularly strong. But the interesting thing while I was putting this list together for the defence that I've just named um, is that obviously San Paoli's first Argentina squad, put it in inverted commas because it was Beron who apparently picked the team but with San Paoli's blessing. Um, the, the initial call-up, uh, when it was just the European players included, was very heavy on midfielders and attackers. And then he filled it in afterwards by calling up defenders from... Uh, from the local league so you know he's, he's clearly looking at um, local league defenders and seeing the quality there that there may be or at least the promise of quality in the future that maybe isn't there with the lot who are in Europe at present so it was it was good fun trying to put this one together 
Uh, in midfield, I briefly considered Santiago Ascasibar of Estudiantes, but another one who, like Martinez Cuarta, clearly has national team future ahead of him. But I think in the second half of the season, he just he fell off a bit. He was fantastic in the first half. Maybe after the Sudamericana Sub-20, he, he, he seemed to, to disappear slightly um, in Estudiantes' performances. So the ones that I have gone for are Ivan Marconi of Lanús in that number five role. Um, Walter Acuna, of course, can't possibly leave him out for Racing. Gonzalo Martinez of River, I'm including as a midfielder um, rather than a forward because he drifts between the lines a lot. Um, Ignacio Fernandez also of River. Um, Facundo Quinon of, of Newell's had a purple patch around the middle of the season. I thought he was, he was very good indeed. Um, and I'm going to include Fernando Gago in the final reckoning of Boca. He did fall away a bit in the last few weeks um, but he also showed up in, in, in the big games um, and you know if we're going to pretend for a second that this is an actual real team I'm putting together you need that bit of experience as well I was going to say Ortigosa but he has already played for Paraguay mm. he's Argentine but indeed yeah no, Ortigosa's foreign so we can't include him uh, even though he has been very good um, also as, as um, promises for the future Emmanuel Reynoso of Tacheres, who has, has been fantastic in the second half of the season. And Emmanuel, Emmanuel Rigoni of Independiente gets in there as well. Um, there's a bit of a battle going on, on the sort of left wing, between Lautaro Acosta of Lanús and Ricardo Centurion of Boca. Um, I think on reflection that I'm going to give it to Centurion. He won the league. He, he calmed down a lot over the course of the season. I will ask, uh, uh, add as a promise, Bautista Marlini, the one from mm. San Lorenzo. I mentioned when we are when we were not recording uh, as a promising, I think, player for for future also. Like for example, Martinez Cuarta, as someone who could help there in the left side. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I'm going for five forwards who I think really all pick themselves. They are two from Boca, two from River, um, one from Racing. And having said that, you can probably all guess who they are. They are Christian Pavon and Dario Benedetto of Boca Juniors. Obviously, Pavon is now no longer a Boca Juniors. Well, if, if rumours are to be believed. Um, but I'm going over the course of the season that's just finished. So Pavon and Benedetto and Sebastian Riusi, who's definitely no longer a River player. Um, and Lucas Salario of River, along with up front... Gustavo Ball of Racing. Um, so that is roughly. Sorry, you you mentioned Lautaro Martinez or not? No, I didn't. What? Ah, Lautaro Acosta, I mentioned. Uh, Lautaro Martinez is, is another one who. Yeah. Had yeah. a very good second part of Not the easy season. to leave out, particularly after his under 20 World Cup performances as well, because he was one of the real bright lights of a fairly disappointing campaign for Argentina from the bits and pieces that we saw in highlights afterwards, because the games were all about 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, he's not quite made it for me. But next season, I would expect him to be on this list. Um, after drawing up the initial list, which is not quite the list that I just read out, but I think that that leaves us with four players from Boca. Um, oh, no, five players from Boca, I think, because Centurion came in for, for Acosta. Um, five players from Boca, five players from River, three from Racing, two from Lanús, two from Independiente, two from Colón, two from Defensa y Justicia, which is feels a bit weird to say, but here we are. Um, um, one each from Gimnasia, Atletico Tucumán, Newells, if we include Quinón, and Tacheres. So hopefully that's a nice representative thing. 
I did feel a bit weird uh, when then looking down the league table and realising I hadn't named anybody from Estudiantes or Banfield who finished third and fifth. Um, well, you, you included Akasiba, so... Well, no, Akasiba uh. was close to inclusion, but I decided not to in the end, so... I feel a bit silly. But Banfield could but be Cecchini, perhaps. Mm. Actually, I put this on Twitter and, um, and Chris Murtagh uh, did tweet back to me and say that in Banfield's case maybe Sacchini but other than that they didn't really have a star it or Bertolo that at, that at Banfield this yeah. part of the season because he came back from River on the yeah at the second part yes yeah I think in January they yes. signed him didn't they um, so uh, Chris's opinion at, at least of thinking it was okay not to name anybody from Banfield more or less uh, made me feel a bit better about myself and less stupid and now we shall move on to listeners' questions. We've had a lot of them. As I said, FM Grasshopper says, Hello, both of you. Do you guys take a break from Argentine football or do you carry on keeping up to date with transfers every day? Andres? I think I will, I will for sure have a, new, a, a little vacation. Not, I will not go abroad, but I think I will just unplug myself from, from football a little bit. And mm. then, yes, of course, we'll have to check the the transfers window and that but uh, I think that the, this weekend I will use it to I will use this weekend to to have rest from from football yeah I, I even when we have the Confederations Cup final which is not Argentine football but I think that that final will be my last uh, contact with football until I don't know uh, fif- fifteen days well until Tuesday. Ahead. Yes. When, uh, when River play Guarani and the yes, you're right. So it's <laughs> there's never actually that much of a break. So although we won't be recording, um, we'll be watching nowhere near as much as we have been, of course, because there's not the league to worry about. Um, during the the off seasons, I, I tend to largely ignore the, the transfer deadlines and then look up who signed who at the end of the transfer deadline. Um, but we'll see. Actually, we do also have to talk about Rivers. Um, signings today uh, a little later when, uh, towards the end because they've been very good I think and also a couple for Racing and, and for Boca as well um, Johnny Jones says guys what on earth has happened to Newell's with the manager leaving and their poor end to the season we kind of touched on it earlier where they're just in institutional chaos at the moment and when you are in a situation where you're not able to pay the players um, that obviously has a, has a big effect on squad morale and on subsequent performances and I think that's that's really the answer, right? I mean, more than than poor team management as such, it, it's poor administration at the club. When you mentioned the, the pitch, the vice president being arrested, mm. I think that's that it's a good summary. Uh, summarize some it's summarizing the the situation of the club. If your your vice president has legal problems, well, uh, I think that is that is serious and that explains a bit what happens. Yeah. Uh, Will Clunas gives me an excuse to, in fact, let's talk about Rivers' signings now, because Will Clunas says, with the signings that they're making, are River now the favourites for the Libertadores? So Rivers changes in the last few days, uh, and these might very well be updated even further, even by the time that we are, um, that this podcast goes online. As we mentioned, Driussi um, has left, and that was a huge blow, and... People have been asking us whether River are favourites for the Libertadores for a couple of months, and every time I've said, look, it depends on whether they hang on to one or both of Alario and Driussi during the winter. If they hang on to both of them, it'll be a miracle, and Driussi's already gone. 
um, almost, well, before the season even ended. He didn't play on Sunday against Colón because his transfer to Zenit had already been, been confirmed. Um, so what River now have to do is is try as hard as they possibly can to hang on to Alario, at least until the end of the year, you know, potentially by, by tempting him and saying, look, if you hang around, you could, you could win a second Libertadores with the club. Um, and they also have to work to replace him, which they're doing... As, as we mentioned already, on Thursday they're expected to sign Nacho Scocco, um, who is not getting any younger. Uh, 30, um, 34? 36? 30, 30, no, no, no. He's, I think, 32 or something like that. He's not that old. He mm-hmm. has passed the 30 years, but not that old. Uh, um, it's Pinola is older with 34. Oh, you're right. Sorry, Pinola is the, the older of the two. Yes, they've signed Javier Pinola from Rosario Central. Um Skoko is, yes, yeah, sorry, you're right, he's 32. He's a year younger than me. So having just said he's not getting any younger, I now make myself feel very old. Um, and uh, they have also today, this afternoon, signed Enzo Perez from Valencia, bought Enzo Perez from Valencia, which a few months ago somebody asked us whether that might happen, and we said, no, they can't possibly afford him. Valencia yesterday. just spent like 30 million euros on Enzo Perez. It was said yesterday that, that wasn't more a no than a yes to... Sign in yeah. and I think that this is good for the from the director from the from Francesco, who is the secretary. Yeah, uh, um, the, and also the, the man that Enzo Perez is named after, uh, course, because yes. Enzo Perez is is a life. Although he's not played for them before, he is a lifelong River fan. Uh, he made the point um, on ESPN earlier that, that he's named after Francesco, um, because his dad's a massive River fan as well. Um, and yeah, he he turned down offers. He he said offers from England. Um, Newcastle, to, I think it was Newcastle were the club yes. who were linked to him. Yeah, Peter told me afterwards because uh, Rafa Benitez um, is 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 a big fan of his. Um, so it's a huge signing for River, and also in conjunction with you know the guys that Racing have brought in, um, Juan Patino, the, the Paraguayan, and the Uruguayan uh, Egidio Arrevalo Rios um, today, and they're also going to sign Lucas Orban. Thank you, Lucas Orban, who. Um, the the river youth product who who who's been in in Italy yes. for uh, Genoa in France and then in Italy I was Bordeaux I think it Bordeaux? Was Bordeaux I think it was Marseille yes could be I, let's I look him up Let, let's settle this argument live on air or not live because we're pre-recorded but um Lucas Orban oh yeah sorry I clicked the wrong button there hence the funny noise uh, Lucas Orban oh you're right Bordeaux yeah he's there in ah. a Bordeaux track top from River to Tigre, and, and long-term listeners will remember how angry I was when River allowed him to sign for Tigre um, uh, permanently, and then to Bordeaux, and then Valencia, and then Levante, and then Genoa. Um, and he's now set to join Racing anytime soon. Um, he's a you know young-ish still. He's what is he? Twenty? Oh, twenty-eight. Oh, well, I mean, he's, he's yeah. older than I thought. Um, but somebody who I've never quite been able to understand, particularly given those issues at left-back that the national team have had, why he hasn't been in and around the national team setup, uh, or at least much closer to it. Um, and the way that, you know, the, 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 the Primera is going at the moment, maybe a move back to Argentina could, could see him into consideration for that. Um, yes, the, but I think the that's players, really good. I think the players are betting on a possible call-up for national team, yeah. assuming that we have one year to the World Cup, and assuming that Argentina will... Qualify, yeah, uh, but that that's a, a good signing as well for the Primera. Um, 
As for River are their favourites for the Libertadores, as we mentioned in the last episode, River's path to the final uh, is still very difficult because after after Guarani, if they get past Guarani, of course, um, they've probably got Atletico Mineiro, and I can't remember who it was Atletico Mineiro were playing, and then Jorge Wilstermann. Ah, yeah, okay. So, so they've so almost definitely got Atletico Mineiro in the in the quarter final, and then if they get beyond that, it could very well be an all Argentine semi final against San Lorenzo or Lanús. Um, so I don't know whether I can say favourites because of that, but certainly they're, they're very strong signings that River have made already. Uh, oh, and Herman Lux has come in as well yes. for, for goal, which is tremendously helpful because, as I think we said on the last episode, Augusto Batasha is, is anyway, not learning from his mistakes. Anyway, I heard that on Tuesday uh, the, goalkeeper, the goalkeeper will will be Batasha again. So uh, Lux will be like a competitor. Mm-hmm. So when, of course... We we have to expect another Batasha mistake for Lutz to yeah. to be the uh, starting in the starting eleven. But, but Batasha now knows that if he does make another mistake, he's out yes. like that because they've yes. actually got a high class, highish class yes. goalkeeper to bring in in his place. Um, interestingly, Franco Armani, who River were linked with in the middle of the year and, and this time last year as well of Atlético Nacional, uh, is now being linked with Boca. So. Who knows? Because Boca, of course, having just won the title, have, have done so with a very young goalkeeper who one suspects isn't going to be their permanent number one, particularly if, for the Libertadores next year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Sasha says, how do you expect Argentinos to do next season? How big is the gap in quality between Primera and B? We're clearly, given this question, expecting that Argentinos are going to be promoted, even with five or six games to go in the B Nacional. Yes, I think they will. I they think have it's probably a safe assumption to make that I, I don't know if 10 points or 8. I think it's 12. Me. I was looking at oh. it yesterday. I think they're 12 clear and the team in th- 12 clear of third place and the team um, with uh, the team in third place have got six games to play for. To play. So 18 points to play for. So Argentinos are almost certainly up. Um, how do we expect them to do? If they are not, they don't have any uh, players sold or go... Uh, uh, that they left leave the team, I think that they could be a good uh, or, or decent uh, passage into the first division. I don't think that they're going to do as well as Tacheres did this season. Could be, but um, I, I would expect Argentinos to be lower mid table, which, with the promedios still in force, uh, could be interesting relegation wise. I mean, they they could very well end up. They don't even know whether Heinze will continue as the coach. Mm. As well, I I heard people. Singing when they defeat 4 0 Juventud Unida of Gualeguaychu. Mm. Uh, the gringo no se va. I think the gringo doesn't doesn't leave uh, singing that song because uh, he still hasn't uh, signed their new of the contract and he has built the team that uh, is that made Argentinos playing the way they are playing, that they are yeah. clearly the best team in the National B. Yeah, if, if nothing else, it's been an impressive managerial debut from, from Gabriel Heinze, who, as I think I mentioned when he took the job, I, I'm pretty sure is the only footballer, uh, the, the only manager to have formally played under both Alex Ferguson and Marcelo Bielsa. There's some completely useless mm-hmm. trivia for you. Um, Tom Robinson says, who have been the best under-the-radar signings of the season? For me, Rodrigo Cavallucci at Olimpo has to be one of them. Wilmar Barrios, for me. Yes, that's a good shout. I, I agree with Cavallucci as well. 
because yeah. he's gone very, very largely unheralded. Um, most of the others, I've, I haven't been paying as much attention to signings in the middle of the year, so I'm, I can't really remember who, who was signed in January and who was there all season. Um, but Barrios, certainly. Particularly because Escalotto continued to, to, to keep on with Bentancur, as I said, up until the Under-20 World Cup, when the change was almost forced upon him. Um, and ended up really improving the team and giving Boca that extra boost that they needed to get over the line. Um, or, or even Barbosa, because I think he went to the Fese Justicia by the last season. and uh, He was on loan at Atletico Rafaela. And I think that uh, by 2016, that was that he went to to Defensa. So if yeah. that is if that's true, and I, I uh, my memory doesn't, uh, it's not bad. Uh, he will be again another uh, of that club of the best signings. Yeah, so I just tried to look him up on Twitter, okay. but he's uh, on on Wikipedia. But we're on English Wikipedia, and he hasn't got an English page, and I can't be bothered switching mm. to the Spanish one. So yeah, we're, we're going to trust that you're right, Andres. Uh, Fernando, in reply to Sasha's question, says Argentinos are like an, an elevator, going up, going down, going up, going down, and like that. I normally uh, am slightly dismissive of, of that sort of slightly um, uh, no offence, Fernando, but Termo-style chant. Yes. Uh, but in, in Argentinos' case in recent seasons, I think it's justified. Um, Darren Paul Asks his annual question: Who is your go-to reggaeton artist? Gente de Sona for me. I don't listen to reggaeton. Me neither. No, we say this every time Darren asks the question. Unfortunately, English Dan uh, is currently in England, so he can't answer the question for you, Darren. Uh, he Darren also says, "Who do you think will have the best off-season?" I think that River have made a pretty good start. Although River don't exactly get an off-season because they've got the first leg of the Libertadores against Guarani on Tuesday next week. The second leg is going to be in a month's time. Uh, I think it's the, is it the first week or the second week of, of August? Uh, I think it's, it's second, isn't it? It's, it's the week beginning. Yes, because eight or nine of eight oh, or four. Defensa Justicia have just scored against Chapecoense in Additional pretty much the last second of the match. Ninety-four minutes played out of four minutes of stoppage time, and it's going to be one nil with Bicacic in the in the bench. So that's going to be Defensa Justicia's. Actually, I think he was sent off because well, he's been watching ah. from behind the gate for the entire game. Uh, but that's going to be Defensa Justicia's first ever continental victory because, of course, they put San Paolo in the previous round thanks to a nil-nil draw at home in Lanús Stadium and a 1-1 draw in Morumbi. Um, so this is, is Defensa Justicia's first ever international win and it's come in Florencio Barrena because the floodlights have been um, upgraded to Commonwealth standard now so they can play at home. So congratulations, Defensa Justicia. Sorry to interrupt, Andres. Yes, um, best off season. What were you saying? Were you saying anything? What was I talking? Uh, no, that you asked me about the about the date of the second leg, mm. and I think it was the, it will be the eighth of August. So it will be the second or the first or the second depends on the yeah calendar. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have a frustratingly late night then because that's going to be I'll, I'll have been in England for a couple of weeks by that point, but my girlfriend will have just got there the previous day, and I'll have to stay up until no doubt about three in the morning to watch that game on the internet. Which will be a bit annoying. Uh, Darren also says uh, a couple of replies to other people. There. He says, "Is Diego Coca the best coach in the league? For my money, he compete for the for the title with most of the bigger sides in the league every year." I'd agree. Came back to Racing in the beginning, in the middle of the season, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I think his previous record at Racing, obviously having won the title the previous yes. time when he had them for a full championship. It will be a bit thermo, and we'll say that Gallardo for me is the best. Because the way they... That oh, were, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a clear answer, but yes. I th- I, Coco is, is, is certainly... Uh, for me, in the conversation, he's in the yes, top sort of yes. three, four, definitely. And with the same means, if he asked for Arevalo Rios, Orban, and 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 Patino, and uh, all of the all of them were asked by them by him, yes, that is of course he very good eye for the signings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Darren also says, in honor of Ivan Cafu Pichud's golasso at the weekend. What is the single greatest thing that you've ever seen on the pitch in the Primera? Uh, Ivan Pichud scored something like what his, his third or fourth goal for Racing ever, um, and it was an, a magnificent hit from just outside the box uh, in in Racing's. What did they do? I've forgotten already. Um, let me just quickly remind myself. In uh, Racing's three-one away win over Banfield, he, he hit the second goal. Um, for me personally, it was a couple of weeks after I moved here. And it was when the fourth goal for Argentinos in their 4-3 win over Independiente um, went in. I was in the stadium um, to to see it. And Argentinos had entered stoppage time 3-2 down and ended up winning 4-3. And of course, the, pre- the, the next weekend, as a result of that, they ended up taking the championship um, with a, a, a win away to Huracan, um, which I was also at. Uh, but yeah, for me, that, that when when that winning goal went in, and the subsequent celebrations uh, in an absolutely packed Estadio Diego Maradona, uh, that th- that was my personal high point. Even though it wasn't a team I actually support, Andres. Well, I, I wasn't there in the pitch watching the 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 matches in the stadium, but I will say anyway that two bicycle kicks, one from Crespo and Crespo in the. Copa Libertadores that River won the 1996 mm-hmm. against Sporting Cristal in the quarterfinals. Is the other one going to be Marcelo Salas by any chance? No. Oh, okay. Sorry, the carry on Enzo Francesco, the uh. bicycle kick against Poland in the 5-4 victory in a friendly, friendly match. that It was celebrated like a, a match that was official because of the... It, River was losing 4-2 and they... Yeah, it was River against Poland. That yes. was yeah, yes. not Uruguay against Poland. No, no, it's River against Poland. Uh, so those two bicycle kicks, I uh, I think that were the best things for Argentine football or similar, because it were against uh, another teams uh, that I I watched. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Salas because I was misremembering. He scored a hat trick uh, in ah, the yeah. two thousand and. It must have been 2004 Libertadores, I think, um, against a Peruvian oh. side who I can't remember. And the second or third of them was a volley from about. I think it was from Colombia. Maybe. But yeah, I seem to remember the, the second. Or, I remember very, very vaguely watching it on an internet stream. And the second or third of them must have been like a 40 or 35 yard volley. It wasn't a bicycle kick where the ball was dropping over his shoulder and he, he, he yes. just smacked it straight into the top corner. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it's that Argentinos uh, comeback to win 4-3. Uh, Darren also says, as always, cheers for a great season of podcasts. Have a well-earned break and pray that we give Pichuda a contract extension. Thank you very much for that, Darren. And uh, we will, for your sake. Uh, although English Dan won't be too pleased to hear you say that. Um, he's also recommending um, a, a, a Gente de Zona 
song, which I shall retweet from the Hand of Pod account now so that you can go and have a look for it, listeners, if you're interested in reggaeton. Um, he also says, also, not to harp on, but Sam is somehow the reason I listen to and know what reggaeton is, thanks to his daddy Yankee-loving friend. That was my ex-flatmate, Katie. So hello to Katie if she's listening. Um, finally, bloody hell, Darren, you sent a lot of questions. He says, in honour of the ESPN body issue, who from Argentine football would you have on the cover and who wouldn't you? Pichud for me. <laughs> uh, for some background for, for listeners who are relatively new, after about in our seventh or eighth episode, uh, when we were recording with Sebastián García, he came into the studio, which was at the time English Dan's um, terrace, uh, and, and informed us that Ivan Pichud, uh, if you search for him on Google Images at the time, uh, the first image that came up was was an image of him showing his cock to to a young lady on well we assume a young lady on on a webcam. Um, so I'm not sure whether Darren has remembered that and that's why he's saying it, or, or, or whether he's actually saying that that he loves Pichud that much. Uh, so who from Argentine football would we have on the cover of ESPN's body issue? Well, it's a very hard uh, a, a question to ask, to answer because uh, I haven't thought about that and I don't think. I've got to go with, with, with Dario Benedetto because I'm intrigued to see how far down those tattoos go. Mm. You know, they, they come up to just under his chin. I think that, that for the girls, of course, uh, could be Ricardo Centurion because he's physically strong. But then I, don't, I can't think of anyone because, of course, I, I, I like women, fortunately, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't think about any, a, a, a football player naked on a... Oh, you, should, you should be more open-minded, Andres. Okay. It might do you some good. Who knows? Uh, but no, I'm, I'm going to go with Benedetto. Like I said, I, I, I'd love to see whether he's, he's got his foreskin tattooed or not. I mean, I, I wouldn't love it, but uh, I'd, I'd be interested. Let's say. They're fascinating creatures, as Alan Partridge once said. Sesentai says Estrechas has asked the question that we have already answered about uh, assembling a domestic national team. Um, hello and welcome to our, our question section, since I think it's the first time that you've, you've tweeted us. Uh, Tony Gruden says which youngsters stood up and made a name for themselves this season how many of these guys on my squad list are youngsters well Emmanuel Reynoso is is a very obvious one to to start with Um, Quignon maybe can't really remember how young he is Merlini the one that I told you Mm. that is as as a substitute but he's still he's in the if he isn't in the national in the Starting lineup, he's all the time coming to the team, uh, jumping to the pitch for second half at, yeah. at least. But yes, as and, a youngster. And the other, you know, the the major name I think um, who, who is is probably the young player of the year, at least 2017 so far, if not the season as a whole. Um, for me, at least, is is Ezequiel Barco at, um, yes. at Independiente. Probably more so than you know you have. Martinez Cuarta maybe at River at centre back, but I think Barco has come through. And Perhaps. although he had his penalty saved for Independiente um, last night, um, he scored one in the previous match, which I think showed showed a lot of nerve. And he's what seventeen, eighteen. Um, so I was very impressed by him. Uh, so yeah, I think that, that Barco, Martinez Cuarta, Bautista Merlini. That's probably my podium. In order, uh, from Estudiantes, uh, Foyt, the one that is in, mm. that was in the national team at the twenty, he's I think uh, usually in the 
Stuff oh, and speaking of the under-20 national team, Labdara Martinez as well, who, yeah. who you asked about for my actual real-life domestic national team, which is entirely imaginary as well. Um, so, yeah, there have been a few, yes. is the short answer. Uh, Carlos Palacios says, do you guys think that Benedetto deserves a call-up to at least a local national team? Yes. Yes, we... That's, I think that's that why I included him in mine. We even talked about him some episodes before, and yes. Yeah, and sorry that that wasn't a very detailed answer, Carlos, but um, it was a very easy question to answer. Uh, he also says, also, seeing how the top 10 teams finished and taking the new signings so far, does the upcoming season look very promising quality-wise? Yes, I think so. Yes. Um, as I said, Enzo Perez uh, coming in at River... Arrebalo Rios, especially at Racing, um, is, is interesting. Um, Goltz, who has all been all, all but been confirmed at Boca, um, and potentially Guido Pizarro coming in at Boca as well. I mean, I think that these they've all already started to make um, some very interesting signings, and I think yeah, it, it's absolutely promising. Although there are you know a month and a half probably to go until the next season even kicks off. Um, it's very much so far also so good for, for, me. for River it was mentioned that now it finally will uh, be confirmed Nicolás de la Cruz the brother of Carlos Sánchez from Uruguay mm-hmm. he also plays at Liverpool the same team that oh yeah Milan are buying him and will probably loan him out because he wants to stay probably, in South yes. America for a few months because he's yeah. about to become a dad or something and as, as, uh, as the agent of de la Cruz is Paco Casal the Uruguayan that has good relationship with with Francesco, Lee. yes, yeah. uh, that will be the the, the bridge mm. for him to to come to River. Do we have any know. idea whether he's a decent player or not? Yes, yes, he's he has been play, playing in the national under twenty national team of Uruguay, and then in the local stage he's good. Mm. Uh, don't know what, whether he will do the same in the international stage, but yes. Well, we may promising. or may not. Another promising player, indeed. Um, Nashville says, can you please tell me slash reassure me that Alario will not follow Driussi out the door this winter? Um, we can't promise anything, but I, th- I suspect that um, Driussi leaving means that, that River now have a lot of money in the bank. Uh, like, like we said, they've got 15 million Euro. euros, wasn't it, um, from, from that move. Um, and that ought to mean that... that pardon me. Uh, that combined with the fact that they managed to get Alario to sign an extended contract until the is it the middle of next year or the middle of 20, 2019 or something um, mm. should mean that they can afford to to talk Alario into staying for another six months and going for another Libertadores. Obviously, uh, if they play the first leg against Guarani of their Libertadores quarter final, no quarter final, no last sixteen game. Um, next Tuesday and they lose 4-0 or something then yeah maybe then they do decide to cash in and sell Alario um, while they while they get it while they're but it's a difficult good, situation even for the player because leaving December will mean being six months abroad not being sure to be called up for the national team yeah I'll, I'll, right right before a World Cup as well yeah unless they go to a real good team really good team in Europe in Italy or Spain if they go to Senate of St. Petersburg like and that's, that's the thing is it? I mean if you go to one of the title challenges let's say in, in Italy or Spain they will perhaps not uh, play you might not be getting any much. playing time yes. if you go to a lesser team um, then you might not be visible enough yes. to, to stay in the World Cup squad so from Alario's point of view um, I, I'd be optimistic that River are going to still have him 
because of the fact that Driussi is gone and they're going to do everything they can not to let go of both of them. Um, but ultimately, this is Argentine football we're talking about, and the clubs, no club, you know, even River, who are arguably um, the yes. the club who are best financially speaking, uh, in, in a strongest financially financial position in the league, um, to to try and hang on to him, they're Milan, not really going to have the final Milan and Inter of Italy both have uh, owners that are from or I don't know if it's. Uh, Indonesia, Thailand. I know. I, 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 am not sure. That's why I, I say uh, those. But they are from Asia, and they can put the money they want to buy players, and they could offer Alario apart from the offer or to pay the release clause to offer him a very, very good contract similar to the China uh, contract that he was offered. How much he turned down? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, perhaps he in December. Winning the Copa Libertadores, he may tell the the board members of River, okay, I I said that I will stay, but now I won the Copa Libertadores and I will say goodbye in a good way, and I will assure my uh, my future and my family future yeah. with this money. This is the thing. I mean, Argentine fans yes. always understand when that happens. Um, so so we'll see. But I, I would think that when we next record. Alario will probably still be a River player, yeah. but I wouldn't put money on it. Um, Nashville also asks: Is Pinola purely a centre back? Uh, no, yeah. centre and left back also. Oh, he plays left back as well. That's good. Yes, because he's thirty six, so we, River should at least get some uh, versatility from signing him. Um, and then Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says relegation games weren't as dramatic as I wanted them to be. Surely I wasn't alone in wanting a three way playoff. I thought they were reasonably dramatic, but the Libertadores finish on Tuesday night was was better. Um, and no, Liam, you weren't, because I wanted one as well. I think every every sensible person yes. who was neutral wanted a three-way playoff, if possible, but it wasn't to be. Uh, Liam also says, is Ekoko the answer to replace Driussi? I'm not doubting his ability, but he's not getting any younger. Um, look, River needed a short-term fix they needed somebody who was available now to come in in time for the quarterfinal I said the quarterfinal again for the last 16 uh, in the Libertadores and Nikoko is somebody who, who Gachado was asking for this time last year who Gachado asked again for in, in December and, and January even Ramon Diaz when he was at River in yeah, 2013 exactly. or so he, he's, he's a River fan as well yes. like Enzo Perez he's, he's a lifelong River supporter um, and so it, it, it makes sense to bring him in, and it, it's somebody who is, you know, a safe pair of feet, yes. let's say. Um, but the way he plays it will depend on his form, whether he is the same way that he when he came back to news, or like right now that he's not that uh, uh, that good. He's good, he's good, but not that good. The way that he went, yeah. That he was when he went to Newell's. I'm just looking at his his uh, numbers for Newell's this season. Um, Eleven goals in 25 games for a team who were as dysfunctional as Newell's yes, were in the league. Um, I, I would be optimistic, let's say, as, as to how well he can he can slot into Rivers' uh, thinking. Um, Darren Paul says, "You want drama, Liam? Have a butchers at the Premier and Bay Nacional. Four teams, two relegation places, six games to go." Um, and so, uh, yes, just to reiterate that Darren does do a weekly column on the Bay Nacional um, for Peter's website, Golazo Argentino. So 
follow Peter on Twitter and, and have a read of, of what Darren has to say each week about the Bay Nationale. Uh, and Peter um, replied to Darren's earlier recommendation, which I retweeted, um, of that reggaeton song, says, Curiosity forced me to listen to this. Do not make the same mistake I did. Uh, so that's a uh, final um, word from Peter, even though he's not able to come along and record tonight. And that was it for Hand of Pod in 2016-17. Um, Defensive Justicia have beaten Chapecoense 1-0. Historic night for them. Congratulations if you're a Defensive Justicia fan on your first ever international victory. Um, congratulations if you're a Boca fan on your 30... How many did we say it was? 32. 32nd um, title in, in the uh, the Argentine Primera División. Um, and for now, to everybody, have a good winter break or summer break, depending on which hemisphere you're in. Uh, have a good two months off and you'll hear from us again in early September regardless of what happens in the Libertadores and the Sudamericana in the meantime um, you can follow us on Twitter uh, if you want to keep up with it I'm H-E-G-S underscore com and Andres's Twitter is very easy to remember it's Andres Bruckner all one word that's B-R-U-C-K-E-N-E-R not so often but I sometimes tweet things in, in English. Oh yeah, Andres normally tweets in Spanish. That's but sometimes, for example, today I, I retweeted the news that Esopes will come to River and I tweeted in English uh, because the retweet was in, in, in Spanish. But it was already known that Esopes will come to River. But anyway, I wanted to retweet that. And yeah. uh, sometimes I, I tweet in English, but mostly in Spanish. Other good people to get onto on Twitter during the winter break are uh, our fellow Hand of Podders, Peter Golasso Argentino, is his at, um, and English Dan, who is at Dan Edwards Goal, all one word, and uh, the others who tweet in English and are regularly on. I think that's it, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, there you go. Have a wonderful winter or summer break, and we will talk to you again in September. For now, thank you very much for supporting us for another season. Um, join us again for 2017-18 and good night from Andres good night and have a happy holidays <laughs> it, it, uh, some of our American listeners will be getting very confused about the fact that that's a few months too early but yes indeed yes. happy holidays to everybody uh, and from me as well goodbye <laughs>